Injuries have impacted Killian Tilly's college and NBA career so far, but the Memphis forward did get a guaranteed contract to kick off the year 2022. More on Tilly's upcoming NBA season right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, today is number three in our series discussing every Gonzaga basketball player in the NBA. We take a look at their history, their time at Gonzaga, how they got where they are at the next level in segment one. We also take a look at their best case and worst case scenarios in the second segment and finish out the show discussing their realistic playing time projections, whether they might get traded, what their future might look like, kind of all of that stuff combined into segment three. Uh, This is going to be the format of our player previews once we get into October for the basketball programs at Gonzaga. So if you are liking this format, just know that they are going to be the similar format when we get into the actual basketball season. But for now, we're talking NBA players. We're talking one of my favorite Zags of all time. That is, of course, Killian Tilly. I will See how many times my dog reacts every time I say his name because my dog, for those of you who do not know, is named after Killian Tilly. Her name is Tilly. She is in her crate right now, so we'll see how she does with this. Uh, Starting out with Killian Tilly, he joined Gonzaga out of INSEP Academy in France back in 2016, part of the many lucrative, extraordinarily talented international recruits Gonzaga has had. We talked about Joel Ayayi earlier this week, another Frenchman who came to Spokane, of course, Roni Turioff fits into that bill. And then just looking at non-French European players who have come over, of course, there is DeMontis Sabonis is a big one. There have been just so many incredible talented players. Of course, Rui Hachimura from Japan, he's been one. So just tremendous to see Gonzaga have that level of success with international recruiting. Uh, Killian Tilly being in the NBA right now, he, he joined the Zags. He didn't play much as a freshman. He was a part of that really, really talented 2016-2017 team that went to the national championship and nearly defeated the North Carolina Tar Heels. He was the fourth big on that team behind Shemek Karnowski, another great international recruit, uh, behind Jonathan Williams, behind Zach Collins. He was the fourth big on that team, played in 33 games, still played about 12 and a half minutes per night because that team loved to play a lot of bigs. I can't remember the last time a fourth string big for Gonzaga played even close to 12 minutes per game. Last year, they just didn't have a fourth string big. It was either Ben Gregg or Caden Perry, depending on the situation, but neither of them played very many minutes at all. I don't expect, even though the Zags have more than four bigs on this roster, I don't think we'll see a fourth big with a huge amount of playing time. But Tilly was different. 12 and a half minutes per game. I averaged four and a half points, 3.2 rebounds, shot 52% on two pointers and a whopping 47.8% on three. So basically the same percentage inside the arc as outside the arc. That's what made Killian Tilly such a special player. One of my favorite early memories of Killian Tilly is him hitting those two free throws. It was a two-point lead against South Carolina in the closing seconds. There's about three and a half seconds left. 
against South Carolina. They needed to ice the game. Two free throws from Killian Tilly puts it at a four-point game, secures the Zags going to the national championship, of course. A true freshman comes in, calmly knocks them both down. Boom, the Zags are going to the national championship. Tremendous memory. We can ignore what happened after that. Uh, It was an incredible game from Tilly to be able to step in as a true freshman and knock those shots down. He stepped into a full-time role as a starter in 2017-2018. He played 36 games. 35 of them were starts. He averaged about 13.6 boards and just under two assists per game. Once again, he was crazy efficient both inside and outside the arc. This is what made him such a tremendous player at Gonzaga. He shot just under 62.5% on two-point shots. That is extraordinary. Like... Even guys who finish just just around the rim. Drew Timmy is a little bit better than that just around the rim, but Tilly stretched it out to the mid-range. He didn't just take shots around the rim, and for him to be over 60% on two-pointers is incredible. Beyond that, something that Drew Timmy does not have in his bag. Killian Tilly was equally 47.9% on three. Two straight seasons where he shot about 48% from deep. Yeah, the sample size, especially in year one, was pretty small, but it was pretty big. In year two, for him to knock down about 50% of it, this is better than Rasir Bolton shot last year, for reference. Bolton shot more threes, but that's still incredible for a six foot ten guy like Killian Tilly as a sophomore to come in and knock down about half of his three-point attempts. Absolutely ridiculous. Part of that number is, bu- is bumped up by what was the most obscene, absurd, ridiculous stretch of basketball that I've ever seen live in my life. It is the reason... That my dog is named Tilly. My wife, Jenna, not a Gonzaga graduate. She went to Linfield. We met in 2016. She came out to Vegas in the 2018 season. It was the first time we had been in Las Vegas together for March Madness. Killian Tilly went absolutely nuclear during those three games in Las Vegas. 13 for 14 from beyond the arc. 5 for 5 in game 1. 5 for 5 in game 2. 3 for 4 in game 3. An absolutely ridiculous shooting performance. He was yelling, this is my city. Vegas Tilly was born. And so too, a few years later was our dog Tilly named after Killian in part because of that tremendous performance he put on in 2017-2018. Injury woes began for Tilly shortly after that. Unfortunately, he only played 15 games as a junior. He was coming off the bench that season anyway. Rui Hachimura had turned into a full-time starter. Brandon Clark was eligible and of course had one of the greatest Single seasons in college basketball and certainly Gonzaga basketball history. So Tilly saw his playing time drop as a junior regardless, but he only played 15 games, only played about 17 minutes per game. Numbers were about half what they were the year before that, 6.2 points, 4 rebounds. Still shot 44% from deep because he's just a really, really good outside shooter, but he got injured against UP. He had some knee injuries, some foot injuries, and he kind of just... Never really got fully healthy after that. It took him a while, at least, to really kind of recover. Uh, He came back as a senior. He played in 24 games as a senior. So at least more than the 15 he played the year previously, but still not up to the level that we would have hoped to see from him. Of course, this was also the 1920 season where a lot of games were canceled, including the entire NCAA tournament. So 24 games is not as egregiously small of a number as it could be. Played about 24 minutes per night, averaged all of his averages were career highs for him, 13.6 points, 5 rebounds, 1.9 assists. He also shot just uh, just over 62% on two-pointers and a career low but still excellent 40% from deep for Killian Tilly that year. 
After that, I was kind of unsure whether Killian Slay was going to get drafted. Certainly from a talent perspective, he was a player that deserved to be drafted, but there was justifiable concern about his health. And that ended up resulting in him not getting selected in the draft. He signed a two-way contract with the Memphis Grizzlies on November 19th, 2020. So just a few months after the draft concluded, he inked a deal. He was in Memphis in his first season with the Grizzlies. He played in 18 games, played 182 total minutes, averaged 3.2 points, 1.3 rebounds, and about a half a block per game. Most of those numbers are a little bit inflated by his final game of the season. The Memphis Grizzlies allowed him to start. I, I think that it was a game where they had already secured their specific spot in the playoff picture, and they didn't need to play any of their starters. So they played a lot of their backup guys. Tilly ended up playing uh, a lo- 37 minutes, 37 minutes in that game. Again, he played 182 total minutes on the season. So 32 of them, or excuse me, 37 of them came in that one game. He also had 16 points and six boards. A kind of a fun opportunity for some of those guys to stretch their legs to get out into a game and, and show what they're capable of doing until he had a really nice performance in that game. After that, he re-signed a two-way deal for the 21-22 season and doubled up the number of games he played in. 18 as a rookie, 36 in his second season, also made three starts, played 460 minutes. So again, more than double the amount of minutes he played as a true freshman. His numbers didn't change all that much. 3.3 points, 1.7 boards. I shot third, just under 31.5% from deep. That hasn't been a shot that has really showed up for him yet in the NBA. We're going to talk much more about that in the second segment. The big news for Tilly, though, is that he did sign a guaranteed contract in January. His two-way contract was moved into a guaranteed contract. That's a huge deal for a player like Tilly, especially an injury-prone player. To have non-guaranteed contracts effectively meant that any injury could be a career-ending one, even if it wasn't serious enough to actually merit him missing a lot of time. It could cause a team to cut bait. Once you get cut off of a two-way contract, off of a contract in the NBA at any point, it's really hard to get back in. So the fact that Tilly now has a guaranteed contract with Memphis is really really beneficial for his long-term goals, his long-term career. But what I want to talk about in the second segment is what this upcoming season might look like. The Memphis Grizzlies have a lot of depth, a lot of talent in the front court. Can Tilly carve out playing time? What do his best-case scenarios, what do his worst-case scenarios look like? But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but college football is back and the NFL is back as well. While the WNBA playoffs just wrapped up and the MLB playoffs are just about to get started, betonline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still Locked On Zags. And I want to thank all of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. I also want to remind you that we are live on YouTube. If you have not done so yet, go to youtube.com, search Locked On Zags. You'll see the channel. You'll see the big red button that says subscribe. Hit that button. We are trying to get to 1,000 subscribers before the start 
of the college basketball season. We are very close, and I trust that all of you who are able to help will go over there, hit that subscribe button, help me out, help get the podcast over a thousand subscribers. It is very, very much appreciated. All right, we're talking best case. We're talking worst case scenarios for Killian Tilly in his third NBA season with the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the best case scenario for Killian, Killian Tilly is pretty simple. He earns a regular spot in the rotation. What he has done up to this point, he has earned a two-way contract. He has earned a little bit of playing time in year two. He earned a little bit more playing time, a little bit more opportunities to show what he's capable of doing. Now in year three, the goal is to get into the rotation. The goal is to make yourself a important, critical part of what the Memphis Grizzlies are trying to do. This is not going to be an easy task. The Memphis Grizzlies are a contending team. They are a playoff team. They are trying to challenge for supremacy in the very, very deep Western Conference. And they have a deep, talented roster and a deep, talented front court. Steven Adams is a longtime veteran. He's the starting center. He's not going anywhere. Jaron Jackson Jr. was one of the most underrated players in all of the NBA last season. He's going to start at the four. And then, of course... Brandon Clark, one of the best sixth men in the entire NBA. He should have been in consideration for sixth man of the year last year. I believe he got at least a handful of votes. Uh, he's a really, really good backup center, backup four. He can play both positions. He's played a little bit of three in the past. So they have Clark, JJJ, which is Jaron Jackson, and Steven Adams all taking up the lion's share of the minutes in the front court beyond that. This team also has Michigan State's Xavier Tillman. He is a rotation piece. Zaire Williams was a rookie last year. He is a rotation piece. He plays a little bit more of the three, but he can play some small ball four as well. And then, as if that's not enough, the Grizzlies did what the Grizzlies do during the draft, which they target a specific type of player. In this case, they went after David Roddy, who is probably going to play more of the three in the NBA, but is built like a small ball four. They went after Jake LaRavia, who's a very talented, he's he definitely plays the four. He's kind of a stretch four type player. They have Sandy Altima in the mix. They have Kenneth Lofton in the mix. You guys might remember him. He's a very, very beefy guy who played really well in the in summer league. He actually went up toe-to-toe -to -toe with Chet Holmgren and looked really good in that game. So they have, the Memphis has all of these guys competing for playing time in the front court. That makes things tough for Killian Tilly. Him earning a regular spot in rotation is not going to be easy, even though he has the guaranteed contract, even though he has a couple of years of experience in this system around these teammates doing all of that stuff. It's still going to be tough. This team is, they, they don't really have a lot of room for, for development pieces for guys who maybe aren't quite ready to go. They're trying to find a team of 12 to 13 guys who are going to help them immediately. While I think Killian Tilly can do that, and I believe they think that he's capable of doing that too, he's going to need to prove it without a doubt. How he does that? Well, the first thing is the outside shot. For his career up to this point, again, we talked about how many minutes it is total. It hasn't been a very large sample size, but up to this point in his career, Killian Tilly is a 31.1% three-point shooter. This is the guy who didn't shoot below 40% at all in college. This is the guy who only shot below 45%, per, excuse me, below 43% once in his four seasons at Gonzaga. He was a 45-plus percent three-point shooter pretty much in his entirety of the time that he was in Spokane. Now he's shooting barely above 30%, about five percentage points below the league average. 
Killian Tilly was brought into the Memphis Grizzlies because of his ability to stretch the floor. He's a 6'10 guy who, yeah, he has some low post skills. He has some shot blocking skills. He has some really good footwork down low. But ultimately, his primary skill as an NBA player is being 6'10 and shooting outside shots. If he's not doing that consistently in the NBA, that's going to be a problem. There's other stuff too, but, but ultimately that's that's the biggest thing. If Killian Tilly can hit 38 to 39% of his threes, which is not outside the realm of possibilities. Again, we're talking about a guy who shot well beyond that. In college, yes, the competition is better. Yes, the three-point line is farther away. So you could expect it to dip a little bit, but he is better than a 31% three-point shooter. He's probably at worst shouldn't be much lower than a 35-36. He probably should be able to shoot 39-40% from three. That's what Memphis wants him to do. If he can do that, in a best-case scenario, he can do that, all of a sudden, he's probably earning playing time over Jake LaRavia. He's probably earning playing time over Sandy Altima. He might even be earning playing time over David Roddy, Kenneth Lofton, who I'm not sure is going to be a significant contributor in year one. Now, I don't see really a whole lot of situations where he's earning any level of playing time over Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark. Like those guys are, he's not going to play over those guys. Even the fourth big spot is probably going to go to Xavier Tillman. But Tilly can fight to get some more playing time in that mix. And if he can come in the game, he can give you five good minutes. He can knock down two out of three three three-point attempts. All of a sudden, you're a lot more interested in getting him into the game when you can other stuff for Killian Tilly to work on a best case scenario, more efficient around the rim. He's only been, he shot less than 39% on twos in his NBA career so far. Again, more physical guys, bigger guys. It stands to reason that that number would come down. He was a 63% shooter on two pointers in his college career. Was pretty unlikely he was ever going to stay around that, but seeing him be more efficient around the rim, finish better, maybe finish through contract contact, excuse me, maybe knock down some of his free throws. That's going to help him as well. Again, the Memphis Grizzlies are not rostering Killian Tilly for his low post scoring. They are rostering him for his outside shooting. So seeing him improve there is critical, but seeing him improve around the rim, get a little tougher, get a little bit more physical. That's not going to hurt. Certainly seeing him improve defensively is not going to hurt either. He's got good footwork. He's got great athleticism. He's got good timing on his jumping. You may have heard this a couple hundred times if you watched Gonzaga basketball during his time. His family is a volleyball family. His dad is an Olympic coach. His brother is an Olympic player. Uh, they're all a family of volleyball players. And for Killian Tilly, that those skills have helped him become a fairly solid rim protector. It hasn't quite showed up in the NBA just yet, but I think that that's a skill he can at least improve on. He may never be more than league average defensively, but if he could be a league average defensive big man and a guy who shoots 38% from deep, suddenly it's really hard to not play him 10 to 15 minutes per game. Really hard. And if he has those skills and other teams know that he has those skills, Memphis probably doesn't get to hold on to him for much longer. Teams are going to come call and they're going to try to trade for him. There's going to be maybe the Memphis Grizzlies look to trade some of their other players. Brandon Clark is about to be a free agent. I don't think the it would be probably above even what I would consider the best case scenario for Killian Tilly to play so well that Memphis is willing to trade Brandon Clark because they have Tilly. That is probably a little outside the realm of possibilities. But if he plays well and Xavier Tillman's playing pretty well, or maybe Kenneth Lofton looks good, Jake LaRavia looks good, maybe they feel like, hey, we can make a move here. Maybe it's Brandon Clark, maybe it's Steven Adams, maybe it's something else. Who knows? But A best case scenario for Killian Tilly is that either the Grizzlies decide to trade somebody else to give him more playing time, 
or he's playing so well that another team who has more room in the front court is like, let's see if we can pry him away from Memphis. Maybe we'll give them a future second round pick. We get Killian Tilly. They get a second round pick for a guy that they didn't have to use a second round pick to acquire. It's a win for them. It's a win for whatever team acquires him. And it's a win for Tilly because he's going to a team that gives him more opportunity to play. That may end up being a best case scenario for him this year as well. What are the worst case scenarios for Killian Tilly? Well, one of the rules that I have for this segment for, for, I didn't say it at the beginning is that I don't talk about injuries because of course, any player's worst case scenario is that they're going to get hurt, but it's hard to not address injuries with Killian Tilly. So we'll do it very quickly. Worst case scenario for Killian Tilly is that injuries don't allow him to play a full season. It's the worst case scenario for every player. It's just a little bit more likely with Killian Tilly. He's in a precarious position. He's already shown that he has injury tendencies. He has that injury-prone moniker kind of labeled on him already. If he were to get hurt again, it would be really hard for Memphis to justify giving him a guaranteed contract, keeping him around. I think it could end up being one of those situations where it may not be a super serious injury, but it's going to make it really hard for him to get attention by other NBA teams. So the worst case scenario for Killian Tilly is an injury. Beyond that, We talked about it already. It's the outside shot. If in year three, he still doesn't show improvements as an outside shooter, he still doesn't show the ability to knock down those open shots. It's really going to be tough for Memphis to continue to give him playing time. Now, it's really tough to do perform well when you're in situations where you're only playing two to three minutes every three games, you know, whatever the situation may be. But that's kind of what you have to be able to do if you want to go from being a bit player into a role player. You have to take advantage of every opportunity you get. You may go a week and a half without playing at all, and then you get thrown into a game with three minutes left and your team is down 26 points and you get two open looks. And if you miss both of them, that's not going to do, that's not going to help you earn more playing time in the next week. But it's tough because that's not a very big sample size. The best three point shooters in the world missed two in a row. But a guy like Steph Curry, a guy like Damian Lillard, a guy like insert your favorite three point shooter here, those guys get 10 opportunities a game. So Steph may come down, miss back to back threes over a three minute span, but it's not a big deal. But if Killian Tilly misses back to back threes, and those are the only two attempts he gets in a week and a half, Suddenly, it it looks like he's just not a good three-point shooter, and that's not necessarily fair. But that's how it works. Like, that's how it works. Like, there's the, you can't really complain about that. That's just the deal. You get the opportunities that you get, and if you don't take advantage of them, you don't take advantage of them. In a worst-case scenario for Killian Tilly, a guy we know is a good three-point shooter, he just doesn't take advantage of those opportunities. And then beyond that, he just, he never really finds a rhythm. Because of the sporadic playing time, he's not getting a rhythm offensively. He's not getting a rhythm defensively. Maybe we see some highlight plays, which is what we've seen in the past. He's stuffed guys at the rims. He's hit some clutch three-pointers. Maybe we see a few of those, but we never really see him put together, hey, that was a good week for Killian Tilly. That was a good month for Killian Tilly. We just never really get to see that because he's not playing enough minutes for that to ever really be a reality for him. Worst case scenario for Killian Tilly is that he's bouncing around the G League in the NBA. He's not getting enough concrete playing time. If he plays the entire year in the G League, that's not great for a guy who's in his third professional season to still not really be in the NBA, but at least he's playing consistently. It's the constant jutting back and forth. And fortunately, he's in Memphis. The G League affiliate for Memphis is the Memphis Hustle. He doesn't have to go very far. They're right there. That's really nice, but it also makes it easier for him to spend a lot more time down there. Worst case scenario for Killian Tilly is at the end of this season, his long-term future is really is a giant question mark. 
We don't know whether he's going to stay in Memphis. We don't know whether another team's going to be interested in him. We don't know whether he's going to end up going to Europe or going overseas or just being stuck in the G League. There's not any concrete reality where we say that guy's for sure sticking with Memphis or he's for sure going to be an NBA player. He got traded to this team and they are viewing him as a long-term part of the picture. None of that is there. And in the worst case scenario, we're just kind of wondering which team is he going to play with in summer league? Are they going to sign him? Is he going to have a G League contract? Is he going to have a name? We just don't know what what the what his situation looks like going into his fourth season. All right, folks, final segment coming up here. It's a look at more realistic playing time scenarios for Killian Tilly in year three coming up right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zag, still here chatting about Memphis Grizzlies forward Killian Tilly entering his third NBA season as part of our Gonzaga Zags in the NBA season preview series. We're talking likely role. We're talking expected production for Killian Tilly in his third season. I got to be honest, Memphis drafting and signing multiple young bigs is not a great sign. They traded for, or excuse me, they drafted David Roddy in the first round. For those of you who don't know, David Roddy came out of Colorado State. Six foot eight, big, like big, beefy, power forward guy. He's got a great outside shot. He could end up playing some three, but he's also kind of a small ball four with a good outside shot. That's not a great sign for Killian Tilly. Jake LaRavia, similar type player, another guy that they drafted at the end of the first round. Kenneth Lofton, an undrafted free agent that they signed. Not sure he's going to stick in the NBA, but again, he's he kind of plays a small ball four, maybe even small ball five role, so... They just added a lot of depth at a position that they already had a lot of depth and the same position that Killian Tilly plays. Tilly's going to have to fight really hard to be the fifth big. Maybe, maybe he can sneak in and be the fourth big. But like I said, Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, all definitively, clearly ahead of him. And that's not a knock on Tilly. It's the fact that those are three really, really good players. Really good, really talented players. Xavier Tillman, probably ahead of Killian Tilly as well. Beyond that, he's competing with Zaire Williams, he's competing with Sandy Altima, he's competing with David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, Kenneth Lofton, all of those guys to potentially be the fourth, probably fifth big on a loaded, talented Memphis team that is trying to compete for the ability to beat the Golden State Warriors, to beat whoever else comes out out of the West, and potentially win themselves a championship. So this is a tough team to be on. I'm kind of split because Memphis is a good team. They're also a good development program. They have gotten the best out of players routinely that they have selected or that they have signed as undrafted free agents. They are developing players really well in Memphis. They're not just getting lucky with John Morant or Brandon Clark or Desmond Bain or or whomever it may be. They have a program that is really, really good at getting the best out of these players. That makes Memphis a really good fit for Killian Tilly. But this is also a team that is trying to win right now that doesn't have a lot of time to develop players by playing them in the NBA and that doesn't have a lot of gaps or space for a player like Killian Tilly. When they go out and spend their offseason acquiring more players similar to him, it makes me think they're not super excited about what he offers to the future. That is a bummer. Doesn't necessarily mean a death sentence for Killian Tilly. It doesn't necessarily mean that his NBA career is over, that Memphis is going to bury him and he's never going to play. It could mean that they end up moving on from him. And that may not be a bad thing. A change of scenery may not be a bad thing for Killian Tilly. I don't think that things have gone particularly poorly for him, but you want to see a player take a jump in year three, and there's a lot of factors that make me think that may not happen for him in Memphis. But what if he gets traded? 
What if he goes to, and I'm always going to lead with this team, and I apologize for people who are not Blazers fans, but I'm going to lead with the Blazers. What if he goes there? They use a 57th overall pick on Jabari Walker, who is a similar-ish player. He's more of a tenacious rebounder, less of an outside shooter, but he is very definitively a power forward. Trenton Watford played a ton of minutes at power forward last year, despite being an undrafted free agent out of LSU. Drew Eubanks is an Oregon State player. He is on the roster for them as well. He's a backup center. Eubanks, Watford, Walker. Chile could compete for playing time in that group, more so than he's going to compete with Jaron Jackson, Stephen Adams, Brandon Clark. Now, I'm not sure Portland's a perfect fit. I obviously want it for selfish reasons, but I do see it making a little bit more sense for him. What about Oklahoma City? They don't have Chet Holmgren for an entire season. This is not a team that is particularly trying to win basketball games. In fact, they are trying to lose basketball games. But what about adding a guy like Killian Tilly to a mix that has Derek Favors, Mike Muscala, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Darius Basley? It's not bad. He would be much better with Chet Holmgren, but Killian Tilly could compete for playing time there as well. What about Minnesota? Yeah, they have Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. Nobody's playing over those two guys. Those two guys are playing 30-plus minutes together a night, guaranteed. But the depth beyond that is pretty bad. Torian Prince, Luca Garza, I would probably take Killian Tilly over both those guys, at least over Luca Garza for sure. So Tilly being a third-string center maybe fourth, fifth big in Minnesota as opposed to being fourth, fifth big in Memphis. It's a worse team, but it's more opportunities for playing time. I don't know that Memphis is at all interested in trading Killian Tilly. They're not just going to give him away for nothing. They have invested in him. They have signed him to a legitimate contract. They have worked with him extensively for the last couple of years. They're not just handing him out. But a team that might be willing to actually pay a little bit to get Killian Tilly, whether it's a high second round pick, whether it's some financial compensation, whatever it may be, could end up getting themselves a player who's going to contribute right away and is a better fit for a team with less depth in the front court, with maybe more opportunities to let him get out there, play 10 to 15 minutes per night, find some rhythm, find some consistency, and potentially become the player that we all know he's capable of being. All right, that is going to do it for me today and for this week. The podcast is down to three episodes per week in August and September. For those who did not miss it, we are almost out to being five days a week soon. Still plenty of great content, plenty of great guests lined up for the next few weeks right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, available on YouTube as well. Check it out there if you haven't yet and hit that subscribe button. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC doesn't exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.